Hello and welcome to LeBeau's Life Lessons. It's good to be on today. I have a great topic that I think a lot of people can utilize. Not I think, I know. A lot of people will be able to utilize this broadcast because it applies to every environment you walk into. How can I say a blanket statement like that? It's because people are predictable. We all have certain archetypes that rule us, rule our motivations and our actions. And if you become a studier of human behavior, you will quickly discern how to identify different archetypes in different environments. And in practice, in time, you will learn how to master dealing with these people effectively. I believe that too many people neglect the skill set, and this is why I'm doing this topic today. Many people undervalue the skill of social maneuvering. They focus on other skill sets because they believe that mastery of those skill sets is how they are going to achieve success. If a basketball player or a pianist or an artist is successful, we believe that success is attributed to their mastery of that skill alone. However, the opposite is true because there are several people who have achieved mastery in those same skill sets. But there is an added benefit to learning how to leverage people, not in a malicious way, but in a strategic way. And understanding that that is also happening to you, whether you know it or not. So today, the topic is how to identify and deal with the eight major archetypes in every environment. Okay, and I'll explain more after I read this Jen stepped into the corporate world with trepidation, her heart pounding and her mind filled with both excitement and nervousness. As a data analyst, she was about to embark on a new journey, navigating the intricate web of office politics and power dynamics. Little did she know that her path would be riddled with obstacles, starting with a boss who seemed to abhor an unexplainable disdain for her. From the very beginning, the very beginning, Jen sensed her boss's subtle gestures of disapproval. His cold glances and dismissive remarks conveyed an underlying disdain that she couldn't quite comprehend. Determined to thrive in this new environment, Jen analyzed the situation with the precision she had honed in her profession. She observed her coworkers closely, noticing how they formed exclusive cliques and whispered hushed conversations behind closed doors. Jen, with her gentle demeanor and introverted nature, found herself on the outskirts of these social circles. It became evident that in order to succeed, she would need to employ a strategic approach. Drawing inspiration from the timeless wisdom of 
Robert Greene's The Art of Seduction, Jen delved into the study of human nature and the power dynamics that shape interpersonal relationships. She understood that to gain respect, she had to transform her image from an outsider to a formidable presence in the office. Jen began to her transformation subtly like a skilled painter, adding layers of color to a canvas. She meticulously built her knowledge base, becoming the go-to person for complex data analysis questions. She sought opportunities to showcase her expertise, providing valuable insights that left her coworkers astonished. Slowly but surely, her prowess as a data analyst began to earn her recognition. Next, Jen targeted her boss, knowing that winning his favor would be instrumental in her ascent. Employing the principles of charm and influence, she paid careful attention to his desires and catered to his needs. She anticipated his demands before they even arose, ensuring her work exceeded his expectations. But subtly stroking his ego, and demonstrating her indispensability, she artfully gained his respect and admiration. Jen's rise in the office didn't stop there. Armed with her newfound confidence, she addressed the exclusion she had endured from her coworkers. She navigated the treacherous waters of office gossip and alliance forming, formation. Using her knowledge of people's motivations to form strategic connections, with her quick wit and genuine interest in others, she slowly dismantled the cliques that had once excluded her. As Jen's influence grew, she set her sights on the executives who had belittled her. She understood that to be truly victorious, she needed the admiration and respect of those at the highest echelons of power. Through a combination of shrewd maneuvering and impeccable execution, she presented herself as a valuable asset to the company's strategic vision. Her ability to synthesize complex data into actionable insights drew the attention and admiration of the executives, elevating her status within the organization. In the end, Jen stood tall, a triumphant, a triumph of cunning and intellect, no longer timid and overlooked. She had masterfully carved her path to success through the intricate web of corporate politics. Her transformation from an outsider to a revered professional inspired awe and reverence from her peers. She had not only proven her worth as a data analyst, but had also defined, defied the odds and became a force to be reckoned with. I wanted to demonstrate in a story that uh, you can overcome these common scenarios. I used an example of a data analyst in a corporate situation, but this can go for any type of person, a person who's um, you know, a church goer in a new church, um, any person that is in a new circle, right? And one thing I encounter often is people who break down in these situations 
assuming that that is the natural and acceptable and correct response to that type of adversity. They assume that their skill set alone should be enough. And when they find out that it's not enough, they have a mental crisis, sometimes even having to seek counselors, start medication, et cetera, et cetera. When you talk to them about these things, they say, well, they're the problem. This person needs to leave. This person needs to go. I always tell them that you can leave this situation, but you're going to go into another situation and face the same type of personality types because they exist everywhere in every circle. Instead of running, you need to master the art of social maneuvering, at which point I'm often met with resistance and no, I'm putting my mental health first. Uh, you know, this situation is toxic, it's not worth it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in this situation, they usually think that the only way they can overcome is if that person leaves. That person just needs to go or needs to be reprimanded. Um, and that is, uh, that's how to handle it, but it's not. So let's look at some of the tactics that Jen employed. Number one, she developed her expertise. When people uh, come into a new job, they know that you're qualified on paper, but that doesn't have anything to do with your qualification in terms of your, let's say your comprehension level and your innovative skills uh, or intuitive skills in that particular profession. And so when you come into a new job, just because you're there, it doesn't mean that they think that you're a genius. You have to prove your worthiness. And in this situation, a lot of people who have ego issues, underlying ego issues break down because they feel like they're already here. They, they have the job, so obviously they're qualified, right? So they don't feel like they need to prove themselves to anyone. And that's not the case. Whenever you come into a new environment, or let's say you're in an environment or a circle, new person comes in, do you automatically trust them? No. A lot of times you want to discern if they're really worthy, right? People do that to us as well. So when you go into that new job, assume that people are waiting to see your uniqueness and make it a point to show that, to demonstrate that, okay? Another tactic Jen utilized was observation and analysis. I realized that many people don't take time to sit with themselves and think about what's going on in their lives. They just react to it rather than trying to understand it and understand the motivations of the people in their life. If an ex comes back into their life and is trying to get back with them, they tussle with the emotional back and forth. But do they really think about this person's motivation and how they'll benefit from trying to come back into your life? If you just take time to look, examine what these people are doing, what are their patterns, what are they doing to you, and what is the possible benefit for them? It'll be easy to notice the patterns and the pathway they're trying to carve into your life so that they can get their desired goal, okay? The third tactic she used was strategic networking. I cannot 
overstate this enough. Many people that I talk to in the corporate world, they want to go to their job, sit at their desk, do their work and go home. They want to say hi and bye to people. They don't want to make friends and they don't feel like um, workplace is a place to make friends. Now, we know that the people at our jobs are not our friends. We know not to trust them just because uh, they're our coworkers and not to easily buy into the personality they present, right? But playing the game, what I call it, playing the game requires you to network and to present yourself as a person who's not reserved, who is not, does not have walls up, but a person that is open, a person who is possibly open to friendship. That may not be true, but if you walk into an environment displaying walls, you're going to find resistance almost immediately. And many of these women that I talk to in the professional realm, they're clueless. They don't understand why they need to play into that and why people don't like them. They're doing their job, what's the problem? It's because they're not making an effort to network with the people they work with. And how do these people interpret that? As a snub, as a snub. So you may not feel like you're being a snob or that you are being an elitist or think that you're better than them or being discriminatory or prejudiced against them, but your unwillingness to get involved in relationships, that's what it gives off. And I said something earlier, and let me try to fix this broadcast one second. I said something earlier on my uh, Facebook, and that was, you know, timid people, they get this reputation of being nice, good people, when the truth is they haven't actually earned that. They're not more trustworthy than other people, but they seem to be because they don't talk a lot. They're actually just as self-absorbed, if not more, than the people who are loud and have a very strong presence, right? But the reason why people think they're wiser and nicer is because they say less, right? That can work for you and against you in many ways. The fourth tactic Jenny used in my example is she won over her boss. Many people get into a reactionary type of dynamic with the boss. The boss says something, they freak out, they complain, and they over overkill, try to make them happy, and then we start all the way from the beginning again, okay? But no, you have to put forth effort. Now, some people call that kissing butt, but is it really? Many people believe that People should just like them just because they exist. They don't think that they need to use charm or to be pleasant uh, towards people to win their favor. They feel like that's beneath them. That is an ego problem. And that ego problem is why people don't like you. Because they see that you are not willing to make an effort. They don't necessarily need you to kiss their butt but they need to feel like you're making an effort. If you are making zero effort, they feel rejected and overlooked. 
So while you're feeling rejected and overlooked, that's how you make them feel by being unwilling to engage with them out of fear. So this is why it's extremely important to master charm, not in a malicious way, but in a way that you understand that being charming and pleasant is something that everybody enjoys, even you. And doing so will help you to win over people who are resistant to you for no reason. Um, the next tactic she used was strategic alliance forming. Who are the key stakeholders in the environment? Who are they and are you pursuing a relationship with them? Again, people initially want to resist being that type of person, the rubbing elbows type of person. However, if you ever run into a problem in these environments, whether it's at work, your group, or at church, or any other type of circle, and let's say that your integrity is questioned. Let's say that somebody accuses you of something and it's false. Is those strategic alliances with those people who have more influence than you do, who can actually come to your defense when you need it? But see, when you ignore those people, they have no reason to protect you. So while you may think, oh, this is so fake, kissing up to this person or that person, no, it's strategic. Knowing whose voice matters and building and nurturing a relationship with them will work out for you in the long run when accusations come against you. And uh, let's skip down. Okay, so whenever you're entering a new environment, you have to reset your expectations. Do not go into this environment thinking, I hope they like me. No, that's not supposed to be the focus. It'll make you act anxiously and suspiciously. So here are some ways that you can enter an environment that will help you in the long run, okay? Number one, I'm not gonna number. Maintain emotional detachment. Do not ascribe emotions to your job. Many people go into a job, they want it to be everything that they hoped that it would be. They want it to give them happiness and satisfaction. And listen, let me tell you something. You cannot be mad at the apple for not being the orange. The apple has value, the orange has value, they have different values, they have different experiences. You don't need to compare them, do you get what I'm saying? So you may find satisfaction somewhere else. That doesn't mean your job has no value. Many people wanna leave their jobs because they feel, oh, I'm not satisfied here, I don't feel like my, my I'm, I'm not doing my passion. Do your passion and then work your job. They don't have to be in the same sentence, okay? Um, avoid reactivity. Keep your cool, basically. Remain stoic. Do not feel like you have to respond to everything and react to everything. Those are the times where you want to hold back. If you display emotion, you will 
reveal your weakness and you will appear to be petulant and emotional, which means that people will not take you seriously. So instead of displaying emotion, practice withholding your emotion in that environment. Okay, um, access the power dynamics. Okay, so how can you access the power dynamics if you're not being observant? You have to study the people around you to understand how to deal with them. How do you know who to trust? Who do you know to avoid? You have to observe or you're going to make dis uh, mistakes, okay? So to access the power dynamics, you have, and we'll go into that more, you have to first observe it. Focus on your self-improvement. Do not rest upon your laurels and feel like, well, I got in, so I'm approved. I'm good enough. If you stop learning because you, you now have the job, you have your dream job, so no more studying, no more getting certifications, no more this and that. You don't need to sharpen your skills. You are going to fall behind. And just as a side note, the way that technology is evolving right now, gone, long gone are the days where you can just sit up there and go work at a job and think that you're gonna advance because of seniority. No, they value people who are continuously um, improving their knowledgeability and increasing their uh, skill set, cross-skilling and up-skilling. Up Develop resilience. Stop being so easily triggered. How do you do, deal with that? You deal with that by getting your stuff together. See a therapist if you need to see a therapist. What do you need to see a therapist about? The things you keep talking about. Whatever you keep bringing up in conversations, even when it's unnecessary and irrelevant, that's the area that you are hurt. That's the area you feel unheard. That's the area that is a deep core wound. And that is the area that you get triggered. And you end up looking foolish and feeling embarrassed. So to avoid that, get your help. You can't afford therapy, you don't have insurance, read books. It's your responsibility. Build alliances and allies. How can you build alliances and allies if you do not get to know people? Come out of that shell. See, let me, let me fix this broadcast again. Um, Many people don't understand that to succeed in the corporate world, you have to be good at social skills. People think because they have they have friends that they're good at social skills. No. Everybody in their own mind is a good person and they think that they're ple pleasant and likable. Okay. Um, Do not assume that people will like you just because you exist. Get out of your shell, get over your ego, easier said than done, but get over your ego and go and force yourself to meet people. Practice, okay? 
Maintain a positive image. You ever notice that Coke never makes commercials about Coke? They always just show pictures and videos of happy people. Coke has mastered imagery and branding. They're one of the biggest brands known in the world. And the reason why they, they have that is because Coke is mentally associated with happiness and fun because that's the image that they keep pushing out to you and that they've always pushed out, okay? They don't really have to send a deep message. It's a soda. But all they have to do is give you the idea that if you have a Coke, you're gonna be happier. And on a subconscious level, you believe that. In the same way, you need to associate your image with happiness and positivity. You have to brand yourself, and your personal brand matters, especially in, a, in social environments. You have to brand yourself as a positive experience. All of us are a walking experience. The question is, what type of experience are you? So let's talk about the eight major archetypes. I said that whenever you go into any environment, you're gonna meet eight types of people. All right. Imagine that every environment, then Monk says people need to hold themselves account, themselves not to only their actions also for they, uh, to, to be accountable. Yes, that's right. Um, imagine that every environment you walk into is a kingdom. And every kingdom has courtesans, people of the court. And every courtesan has a personality based upon their motivation. Of course, people are multidimensional, but people's actions are driven by their secret motivations. I like to tell people that when you feel wronged by someone, don't assume that it's personal. Many times it has nothing to do with you and everything to do about that person's pleasure or pain or passion. So if you remove the emotion behind the offense, you may be able to uncover their true motivation and why they do the things they do. So let's look at these archetypes and try to understand why they do what they do. The first archetype is the ruler monarch. Okay, that would be the king. That would be the boss, the pastor, the lead organizer, whoever is the, board, the top board member, okay? The ruler archetype seeks to maintain power and control over the court. Their primary motivation is to secure their position protect the kingdom and preserve their legacy. They are often driven by a desire for stability and prosperity of their realm. When I say um, they're driven by um, stability, what that will look like is control. Many times these leaders will look like control freaks because that is how they stay sane. The control is not about controlling you, it's about controlling themselves. They're trying to control their experience. 
And so if you come in an environment and you pose a threat, they will seek to control you so that they can maintain their sanity. It's not personal. It's just about them maintaining their sanity. The second archetype is the advisor or counselor. The advisor archetype is motivated by a desire to to guide and influence the ruler. They provide wise counsel using their expertise and knowledge to shape the decisions of the court. Their motivations can range from genuine care for the kingdom's well-being to personal gain and influence. Many people have risen to success by being the counselor advisor archetype. Usually the person that's truly in control in environment is the person who advises the leader. That is the person who has their ear, who turns their head. That's the person they look to. So when you discover in, in every environment, try to, think of, try to think of an environment you want to grow in, grow in influence. Yes, this is gonna be on the podcast. All right, see you next month. Um, when you go and look at that environment, look at the leader. Now, who's next to the leader? Who does the leader listen to? It may not be their spouse. Don't assume that. It may not be somebody in that circle. It may be somebody that's on the phone that they call. But there's somebody who advises that person, okay? We'll talk more about them later. The third archetype is the manipulator and schemer. The manipulator archetype is driven by a thirst for power and control. Their motivations often revolve around personal ambition and self-interest. They engage in subtle manipulations, using their cunning and wit to advance their own agendas and undermine rivals. So this is one of the most dangerous people in the environment. Usually, they're the person that everybody likes. Okay? This is the person that you're you're afraid to expose. Because you know that if you expose them, people may not believe you and they may turn against you. So that's who the manipulator is. The fourth archetype is the hero champion. The hero archetype seeks to defend and protect the kingdom from external threats. They are motivated by a sense of duty, honor, and loyalty. Their actions are driven by a desire to uphold justice, safeguard the weak, and maintain the kingdom's integrity. So this is the person who seems to be the straight by the book, always about the rules type of person. Okay, we're gonna talk about why they're like that as well. Number five is the confident champion. The confident archetype is a trusted ally of the ruler. Their motivations lie in providing emotional support, companionship, and loyalty, usually a woman. They often act as a sounding board for the ruler, offering advice and a sympathetic ear. This is probably a person that's going to be kept out of the scene. This is going to be a wife figure, a lover figure, somebody that the ruler turns to. This person also can be dangerous because if this person has a certain agenda with the with the main character, if they interpret you the wrong way, they can start to sway that person against you and make them turn against you. 
Number six, the diplomat mediator. The diplomat archetype is motivated by the desire to maintain harmony in the court. They seek to navigate conflicts, build alliances, and find common ground among various fractions. Their motivations stem from a belief in peace, unity, and the greater good of the kingdom. So you already know who this person is. They're the peacemaker. Number seven, the jester or fool. The jester archetype uses humor and wit to entertain and amuse the court. Their motivations often revolve around lightening the atmosphere, providing comic relief, and subtly offering insights through satire. They may use their seemingly lighthearted nature to serve as a source of advice or a voice of truth in jest. And finally, the eighth archetype, the intriguer agitator. The intriguer archetype thrives on chaos and discord within the court. They are motivated by a desire to create tension, sow seeds of dissent, and exploit result, the resulting power vacuum. Their ultimate goal may be to elevate their own influence or weaken the stability of the court. So if you, um, if you think about like a TV character, this would be the scar in the environment. This person is undercover, okay? But they usually cause drama. Now, let's get to the good part. Now that we understand these eight different archetypes, and this is going to be on YouTube and my podcast, LeBeau's Life Lessons, later on. Let's talk about what, what type of person makes them feel threatened. So have you ever walked into an environment and wondered why someone dislikes you? Why all of a sudden they dislike you? I've done nothing to this person. They have an archetype that you haven't identified. And because you don't know what their archetype is, you don't understand why you pose a threat to them. Let's talk about that. So with the monarch archetype, the person who's in charge, the boss, the pastor, the leader, um, they are threatened by in ambitious people. So an ambitious person, they might see as a threat that wants to usurp their authority. So if you are that tenacious, ambitious person, they may automatically resist you because they see you as somebody that can take their place, okay? They see, as, they see you as a rival or a contender. The advisor counselor archetype um, sees a person who provides wisdom or counsel as a threat. So if they're the person that most people go to in the environment, and now you're starting to be that go-to person, they have a problem with you because now you are mirroring their wisdom and knowledge ability. They don't like you being the smart person. They're the smart person, okay? All right. Number three, the manipulator or schemer archetype. Um, they want to be in control, right? So if they have very good observation, observational skills, um, and they can see people, they can also discern people who also have good observation skills. So basically, this person is strategic. If they can sense that you are also strategic, they're going to have a problem with you because now they think that your motivations are nefarious because they can tell that you are, you have more, there's more to you. You get what I mean? 
they can tell that you're hiding or holding back who you truly are. So they interpret that as a threat, even if you, you're not posing a threat, okay? The hero champion is threatened by people who question their methods and display qualities that challenge their status to protect, okay? So let's say, for instance, if this person is the protector in the environment, if you come in with new ideas and new strategies or question the way that they do things, they're gonna have a problem with you. Even if it's for the greater good, even if you're bringing value, that's a threat to them. So they're gonna come against you even when it, make, it makes no sense for them to do so. Now they're caught up with their ego and protecting their role more than they are caught up with the idea of doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is to protect. The confidant archetype, this is the person that they, that the ruler goes to for emotional support, okay? They perceive anybody that disrupts harmony um, or incites any type of conflict as a threat. What if you come into an environment and you notice that there's things going on that's not right? You become a squeaky wheel. You want to call it out. Like if there's some type of racism or prejudice or sexism or any kind of ism in the environment, or you just see some shady tactics. If you blow the whistle, if you're a whistleblower on that, the confidant will want to silence you, not because you're wrong, not that they disagree, but because you're causing the ruler a headache. See, they're obsessed with the ruler's peace. You get what I mean? They're obsessed with the ruler's peace. So if whatever you're saying is disrupting their peace, they want you out of the situation, okay? I try to say this um, to my, my ladies, my minority ladies who are in corporate environments. Ladies, you're going to deal with racism and prejudice everywhere you go. Doesn't matter the skin tone, okay? A lot of people like to believe that people of different skin tones, no, no one is a winner under systemic oppression. Every brown person is facing some sort of prejudice, okay? So now that we that is firmly established, you should already know this, you coming in and being loud about it is not going to serve you. I meet ladies who notice that they're that people are belittling them or talking down to them or being racist to them. Maybe they're being racist for them. Their first thing, I want to run to HR. I want to tell everybody, right? People get fired for that. Play the game. That is the quickest way to get yourself booted. Okay. The seventh, uh, no, sixth, the diplomat or mediator. Okay. Again, this is another person who wants the environment to stay cool, stoic, copacetic. You come into the environment complaining, causing problems, they're gonna see you as a cancer. Again, it doesn't matter if you are right. It's the fact of the matter that the energy you're bringing is disrupting their peace or the group's peace. They just want you to get out so that the negativity will stop. So when you meet these people, guys, I know it's hard for you to understand. I don't have any ill intentions. 
I'm only standing up for what is right. Why am I, why am I being persecuted like this? Let me tell you something. People hate truth tellers because the truth is ugly. Any person who is a truth teller will get persecuted. You have to understand what the truth is and strategically become a person of influence where your decisions and thoughts and feelings have weight. But see, if you hurry up and run out of there or get booted because of the way that you come across, you never get to establish your goal. The jester or fool archetype, number seven, they're threatened by people who are also the gesture. Mm -hmm. uh, one person said they sure do hate truth tells. Yes, indeed. Um, but see, the funny person in the group, they're going to be threatened by somebody else who seems like they're funny and clever. You know, it's just a petty jealousy thing. And finally, the eighth archetype, the intriguer agitator, um, they're seen by they're seen as a threat. OK. Um, if you are a person that can identify who they are, um, if you can tell that they are, if this person is a sociopath, if you make it known that you know how they operate, you're a threat now. You never reveal to a sociopath or this type of archetype, you know, this, this disruptive, evil, um, you know, type of person, scheming type of person that you know what's going on. No, you don't want to walk up to them and say, you know, I got your number. I know who you are. I know how you operate. And, I, and I'm going to tell this. And Why would you do that? Don't do that. Don't be that person. See, when you get emotional, when this person agitates you and you get emotional, you say, see, because I already know how you know. I know what you're doing. Don't do that. Now they're going to focus on you. They may have agitated you before, but now they're going to terrorize you. You don't want that kind of attention. Okay. So now that we understand who the eight archetypes are, and now that we also understand what makes them triggered and what makes them turn against you. Let's look at the ways we can nullify their attacks. Now, you may be thinking, you know, all these things you're saying are all fine and good and well. And I don't know how to memorize all of this stuff. Just listen to it over and over again. It's going to be available soon. But <clears throat> know who you are. Are you the mediator? Are you the confidant? Who are you? What is your role? Okay. When you discover what your role is in the environment, now you know who will be threatened by you. So when you go into that environment, analyze the personality types. And then when you see that type of person, that archetype that is threatened by your type, you say, okay, now I know how to behave around them because if I do, if I be who I'm being, who I am, if they see that, they're going to see me as a threat. Now you know how to behave around them. And now I'm going to talk to you about nullifying that. Someone else said, I have a free, free who is, was calling out 
if who a friend who is calling out of office truth calling out office truth later she got called in and told her position was eliminated you know people who have a very high sense of justice this happens a lot because you can't you don't want to stand by and let these things happen but i i just want to tell you that if you really truly want to make a bigger impact and actually change some things you have to do it the smart way just going out blah 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 that does not accomplish your goal okay so let's talk about it here's how to nullify these archetypes attacks for the ruler archetype who feels threatened by your ambition okay the thing you want to do with them is to dissolve their sense of that that you're a threat to them okay you always want to make them feel like they're better than you they're smarter than you and that you look to them for guidance okay if you show them loyalty respect and unwavering support this will lower their barrier against you in the resistance they just need to know that you're not out to get their position and everything you do around them and towards them needs to be consistent in that way to nullify the advisor counselor you want to make sure that you present whatever type of advice you want to get give as in a respectful manner humility okay this person is they've established that they are the wise person who has all the answers in the environment when you approach them and and you have you know you have something against what they're saying or their ways or their advice you want to be humble about it you don't want to trigger their ego and make them go on an ego trip so as long as you're humble around them they won't go on the attack be discreet don't say it out in public pull them to the side and tell them your ideas okay they will respect you for respecting them but the the third one the manipulator schemer okay what you want to do is not expose this person out in the open only expose them to the person who matters which is going to be the ruler and the wise person okay and the protector of the environment. This is not a person that you want to put on blast. Because again, they're going to go on the attack. Usually these people are going to go into a vi victim um smear campaign. Once they feel like you are against them, they're going to make you the bad guy even though you're not. So, you need to discreetly expose them. even though you want to yell it from the rooftops don't do that <laughs> somebody said and i'm about to go into a meeting with one now girl it's good that you saw this the hero champion archetype this person is attacking you because 
they feel like you want to take their place as the protector and the hero in the environment, okay? So what you want to do is be their sidekick. Be the Robin to their Batman. If you wanna be the protector and hero too, that's fine. But because they're there, they firmly establish their position and everybody likes them, it would be unwise for you to try to usurp their authority. So instead, come up under them and support them in a complementary way and, and not a contract, contrasting way. Like you're trying to compete and show that you're the, the better protector than they are and the better hero. No, just be a support and that person won't feel threatened. Number five, the confidant. Okay, the confidant who is obsessed with the peace of the ruler. Okay, you want to build trust with this person. If the person, the ruler trusts, trusts you, you're safe. You got that? That's the person you want to get in good with because ultimately everything's going to come back to that person. The ruler's going to take everything back to that person. And that person is going to tell the ruler what, what they think. And if they feel like they can trust you, they're always gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. Even if the ruler feels threatened by you, the confidant's gonna say, you know, I really don't think she's like that. I really don't think he's doing that to you because you've won their trust. The diplomat mediator, the peacemaker, okay? You want to mirror their behavior. You around the peacemaker are also the peacemaker. You're the peacemaker's sidekick. They care about, they, all they talk about is keeping everything, you know, harm, in harmony and unifying everybody. Then you talk about that. You talk about building bridges. You talk about bonding. You talk about all of that stuff around them. Do not go to the peacemaker complaining because now they see you as the problem and not the complaint. Number seven, okay. Show appreciation for the gesture fool person in the environment. The person who always makes everybody laugh, the jokester. Don't be the jokester around them. Laugh at them. Let them be the funny person. When they're not around, you can be the funny person. When they're around, let them have it. Just let them have it. Some people say, um, don't, don't let people, don't, don't dull your light. You know, if you're in it for the long game, you gotta play smart. Let them have it. And finally, number eight, the intriguer agitator, okay? So what you wanna do is gather, gather evidence. You know how they, they say, start a paper trail, document, 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 get it in writing, okay? Go to the sympathizer, the, I mean, the person who, the confidant, the person who the ruler trusts and the ruler with this information again. You don't want to expose outrightly in front of everybody. You only want to go to the people who have the power 
to make a decision. If you notice that a person is a sneaky manipulator and agitator, you going around to your coworkers about it who also have no influence is not gonna help. It's just gonna be office gossip that goes nowhere. At, at best, you're just gonna look like a person who talks too much. You want to build your case and go to, <laughs> yeah, I'm about to give you another strategy, another tactic. You wanna build your case and go to the people who have power. You can even get other people to do it. Let's say you have a person who's extremely problematic, always causing delays and always causing problems. You know that you and your coworkers have the same experience with that person. You can document what they've done, but it's stronger when you can go to the other coworkers who also don't like them and say, can you put an email together talking about all the things this person has done to you know, slow down our projects and this and that? Like, what are some of the things they've done? Like, can you just describe that? Now you have three emails going to the boss about the same person. Now it doesn't look like a he said, she said, they just need to fix it and work it out. It looks like, okay, this person is causing dissension in the team collectively, okay? Okay, so that is how you do that. So emotional detachment, guys, go into the environment, uh, detach, okay? Make sure you understand who the key stakeholders are. Identify different archetypes, okay? Minimize critiques and complaints out in the open. Don't do it. When people discern that you're a threat, you be their support. You be humble around them. You make it seem like you're their biggest fan. You get that? Um, focus on your growth, sharpening your skills. Because see, you can do all of this and get so focused and distracted on these other people and what they're doing, you're not even getting better at your job. <laughs> okay? Stop trying to take things personally. Get out of your head. Get counseling if you need counseling. Because if you're always getting triggered in every environment you go into, then that means that you have a sensitive ego. And that doesn't have anything to do with anybody. That's, that's just you. Okay. All right. So there's that. I'm going to upload this on YouTube, LeBeau LLC. I'm going to put this on a podcast, LeBeau's Life Lessons. Go to LeBeau'sLifeLessons.com to find more. I am on Spotify, um, Spotify, um, Anchor, Apple, um, Audible. Hold on. Let me fix this thing. Um, all of that good stuff. I love how y'all y'all are quiet to let me talk, but you can also leave comments because I love to hear you guys' feedback. Okay, but if that is it, y'all have anything? Any anybody have anything? I'm glad y'all stuck it out.
and I hope you appreciated this. I hope that it helped you. Um, anybody, any questions, any comments before I go? You're welcome. You know, I wish I would have known all of this stuff years ago, but like everything, it's, it's uh, you keep learning. Some of the things that I said, I actually have to master. I, I still have to put it in practice. I'm not saying that I mastered all of these things. Okay, well, if that is all, Remember, you can change if you really want to. See you next time. Bye-bye.